Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing this morning? Yeah? Everybody feeling good? Did you get enough coffee in you? A couple people did? Okay. Um, <clears throat> hey, my name is Brian Nichols. I'm the pastor here at Coastline. If this is your first time here, I want to say welcome. Thanks for coming in and hanging out. Um, man, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really ramped up. I'm ready to go this weekend. I wasn't here last weekend. How many of you guys showed up last weekend? I totally missed it. I had this thing called Influenza B. Don't get it. It sucked. Um, it was zero fun. I was down for the count. I still sounded like I got a little bit of a head cold, but I promise you I'm doing a lot better. Um, I didn't get to preach last week, so now I'm going to preach two sermons back to back. You get to hear them both. I'm just kidding. Uh, my wife actually preached for me last week. She did a great job, Erica. And she normally preaches like half the time I do, so you guys definitely beat the Baptists to lunch this week, or last week. That was great. Uh, but I, got, I, I was able to catch a little bit of it. Baby did a fantastic job. Thank you so much. Um, it's always one of these things that's kind of humbling when I watch uh, because I realize that God gave me like a really good wife. You know, she's not just pretty and she's not just all looks. She's really smart too. Um, and uh, when I hear you preach, it challenges me, makes me want to be a better preacher too. And so thank you for all you do helping me. It's a really big deal. Also, I want to say thanks to Captain Doug Davis. Where is he at? There he is. Captain Doug helped me out. Uh, last week, or well, a couple weeks ago, we started a new service here at Coastline at 7 a.m. Uh, it's Sunrise uh, Service at Flagler Avenue. It's really stripped down. Uh, we've got, like, a guitarist and a vocalist and me, and that's it so far. That's the core team. We're on the ground level. Um, but we started a couple weeks ago, and, uh, man, the first week I think we had like five or six people, and then last week we had something like 10 or 12 people, um, and it's just kind of come as you are, um, trying to do something that's a little bit more kind of maybe evangelistic, opening up to people that normally wouldn't come to like a church service. Um, and so last week was like the first time that we had actually announced it, and then I, I wasn't able to show up because I was sick, and Doug bailed me out. Thank you so much, man, for all your help. It really was a, was a big deal. Appreciate you. I, I want to let you know if you at any point uh, have a desire or want to, you're welcome to come hang out with us uh, on Sundays at Flagler Ave at 7 o'clock. Um, we're just going to do um, real short, you know, maybe two or three songs, one or two songs. Um, I'm going to preach for maybe, maybe 15, 20 minutes. Uh, the past couple times we've done it, it's been a lot more of like a discussion, like people can ask questions along the way. And the whole time we get to watch the sun come up as we're doing it. So it really is really is pretty fun. We're going to be doing that for the next couple months, so if you want to come hang out, hang out you can. Here's the cameout. Cameout? I think it's the cameout. Here's the, a little bit of information you need to know about it. If you wake up on Sunday morning, and you're like, I'm going to go to the sunrise service. Look at the weather app on your phone, and if it says anything about rain, I don't care if it's 10%, 20%, if there's that little icon with rain, I'm not going to be there, okay? So you can go, you can be by yourself with Jesus, and that'll be a fun time. But that's, that's like the code. That's like how you figure out if we're doing church there or not. If it says rain, don't come. If it says anything else, we're going to be there. 
We'll see about the winter time. I don't know, dude. If there's like, if it's 40 degrees and I can't wear flip flops, you might just have to come to 10:30 service. But um, but hey, I'm excited today because uh, we're continuing up in the series we started just a few weeks ago uh, called "Asking for a Friend," and this is where we gather a bunch of questions from people in our church. We post them on uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Let people give the opportunity to ask questions about church. Questions that are maybe tough to ask. Maybe it's things that you don't want to like come to connect with Coast, Coastline and ask you a deep theological question. Or maybe you don't want to ask a, a question about the, the nuts and bolts about how ministry works or something. And so we, we open this up and people send in tons of great, tons of great questions. Questions like, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? And I don't know the answer to that. I'm not smart enough to figure that one out yet. <coughs> Uh, questions like, why do spiders exist? I don't, I don't know either. I hate them. I'm down for killing every single last spider that we got in this world, and we can let Jesus figure it out later on. Uh, but real good questions that came up were like, questions like, are we currently living in the end times? People read through the Bible. We read through uh, later on in the Bible in the book of, of Exodus, and, and it starts hinting towards the, the end of days, our time here on this earth, and people have questions. Is, is, are we getting towards that point? Are we getting closer and closer to, to the end times? Next week, I, I, we're going to talk about that question. We had people ask the question, how do I know if I'm hearing from God? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And there were some great questions that came on. Today, I want to take the next step into the next the next question, but before I do, I want to pray for us, uh, and, and uh, I want us to kind of connect with the Holy Spirit and have him prepare us for what he's got for us here this morning. You guys with us so far? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would settle across this room. God, that you would allow us to feel your presence as we read and listen to your word. God, I pray that as we talk about these things, as we, as we dive into these stories of how your son described life and how we should live, I pray that we would be able to push every distraction away, that we would be able to focus our hearts and minds on you. I pray that this morning that you would act like the great physician that you are and come in and pull and push and adjust us to be the men and women that you want us to be. Prepare us for the, the week ahead. Prepare us for the month ahead as parents, as employers, as employees. I thank you so much for what you're going to do here this morning. We come expecting. Have your way in me. Have your way in us. Have your way in our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, do me a favor. Take about 30 seconds really quick. Stand up all across this room. High five your neighbor. Get to know some people around you. Shake some hands if you feel comfortable with it. If you're around Megan Schmidt, watch out. She's going to hug you. Let's connect with one another. Yeah. A lot of you just found out whether you were sitting next to the weird person in the church or not. So don't be elbowing your husband or whatever. I know what you're doing. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm excited for this week um, because this next question is probably the one that carries uh, the, the most tension 
of any of the questions that were, were posed. You know, when it comes to theological questions and stuff like that, um, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid of them. It's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I've got to do some, I'm going to do some research. I'm going to try to figure out my stuff. This one uh, was a tough question because it connects emotionally very much with all of us. All of us can feel and understand uh, a little bit in this next question. This was a question that came in. It says, why does the church just want my money? Why does the church just want my money? Now, when I, when I read this question the past couple weeks, um, my heart felt it as I read it. And it wasn't one of those things where, like, I, I, I was not hurt as a pastor. This was not one of those things where, where I thought, man, this just person just doesn't get it. It was, I felt the emotion in the question because it's a question that I've asked before in my own self. It's a question that I've, that I've felt before in my own self. I remember be, before being in ministry, going to a church, and hearing the pastor talk about, you know, this is our opportunity to give. This is where you bring, you know, hold your tithe up, and we're going to do this. We're going to give this to God. And I remember thinking in my heart, like, man, I already feel bad enough coming into church because I got my own crap I'm dealing with. But all, I'm now, now I got this thing where, like, I, I can't even afford, they're talking about giving 10% of, of something that I just don't have. I can't even afford uh, 1%. I'm trying to pay my bills. I got this, this and this coming up next. I don't even know if I'm going to have a job in a week. How can this person get up here and tell me this is... And I remember walking away feeling, feeling bad, feeling worse than when I had come in. And coming to a place in which I felt like I came searching for hope. I left just feeling hopeless. And so when I, when I read this question this past couple weeks, I, it hit me back to that time in my life. And I realized that the way in which it was asked, where it was not one of these things where I was offended. If anything, my heart went out and I felt and understood the tension that comes with it. So when I talk about this today, I, there, there's a chance that you're gonna, you're gonna feel tension. There's a chance that you might already feel it even right now as maybe you felt this same thing before in your own life. Today as a pastor, when I read this question, I felt emotion again. Not an emotion of loss of hope, but an emotion of, of love and want for protection and want to help through a struggling time. And so this morning, my hope and prayer is that as we talk about this, as we, as we talk about this, this idea of our own finances in this area of our life, my hope is that we find freedom. That we don't finish the week, finish this weekend in tension and frustration and hopelessness, but maybe we experience freedom to the fullest and hopefulness because of the God that we serve. Amen. 
I do also want to say this too, as, as I was listening to this question, I, I realized that there, there, there's reasons even more than just the fact of the own struggle that we're in right now. I mean, many of us today, we walk in and like inflation is going through the roof and the cost of eggs are up, right? The cost of gas. You know, as I was thinking about this, you never hear in the, in the, in the news of like the cost of things going down, right? Why is it, why do we not ever hear that? Anyone ever seen in the news where it says, oh my gosh, the gas, the cost of gas has just plummeted this week and now it's like 99 cents a gallon. How many of you guys want news like that? I'd love to hear some news, right? Rents are just going through the floor, man. It's cost $200 a month to get a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath now. Any, anybody down for that? Let's, that's something I can pray behind. I don't hear about any of that stuff. Finances are tough. Things are getting more and more expensive, especially where we live. There's also tension, too, because many of us have heard horror stories of how churches have misused funds or pastors have stolen funds from the church. As I thought about this past week, you know, I know of, there's probably 50 videos on YouTube that I could watch right now in which it tells stories of how pastors or deacons or whoever have abused God's church for their own gain. And I don't know of any of those people that have gotten up and apologized or anything. And I'm going to tell you, I, I can stand before you today. I've got an absolute clean heart. And I, I don't, at no point have done anything that has taken away from God's church. Mostly because I'm too afraid of God to do anything like that. That's, those guys, are they are crazy. I'm telling you what. It says in the Bible that literally we're going to stand before God for our actions as pastors. I'm going to tell you, like, I'm, I'm already afraid for what I'm doing now. There ain't no chance I'm stealing from God's church. But as, as your pastor, I felt like I felt like I needed to do something. I felt like I need to apologize for the other pastors in this world that you've seen that have not held to that same, same standard. I, I don't know if you're ever going to meet them. I don't know if they're ever going to apologize in front to, to, to the pulpits they preach behind or any anything. But as, as a pastor and as your pastor, I want to apologize for them. I want to tell you that that's not what Jesus' intent was for the church or intent is for the church. I believe that Jesus set his disciples to go on and build communities of people that were followers of him that would go out and share hopefulness in the world that is lost from hope. And that's what I think the church is all about. That's what I believe Coastline is all about. And so I understand the tension when it comes to this, this topic. Now, I also want to be pretty clear. Like, when it comes to how Coastline operates, it's we're not being secretive or anything. The way that we're able to do this is because people give a Coastline. If people didn't give a Coastline, we wouldn't have a Coastline. I'd love to say that the school is like super nice and they just want to give us this place for free and that's not the case. They want thousands of dollars each month for us to be able to meet here as part of anything. We, nothing in this world is free. We got some great people on our staff that put in hundreds of hours a week to make what happens here on a weekend. And so there's expenses. Those expenses get paid because of people at Coastline that continue to worship through their giving. And if that's you, I want to, I'm telling you, I want to thank you because, like, you allow 
us today to be able to come and, and do church. You know, of the, of the couple hundred people that call Coastline home, we've got about 25 or 30 people that invest into the kingdom and invest into allowing us to continue to push forward and do church. And because of you guys, like, we get a, we're able to continue to do this. It's a big deal. It's not something I take, uh, I hold, hold lightly. Luckily enough, we've set up safeguards and we've got a group and a team that, uh, that ask tough questions and hold people accountable. We've set up systems in which people can't go out and, you know, embezzle and steal and take things that they can't, that, that, that they shouldn't be doing. I'm thankful for all these systems that we put in place. But ultimately, when it comes to our finances, when it comes to us as individuals and being followers of Christ, this whole area has been something that creates lots of tension and lots of separation, lots of frustration and lots of angst. And today I want us to be able to experience some freedom from it. So the first thing today, this morning that I wanna talk about is the idea of all. Look at your neighbor and say all. All, there was uh, three people that did that, thank you so much, the three of you. You get a gold star for today. <coughs> all. You know, it's one of these things where um, I, I think we live in a culture now where we're, we're so guarded sometimes, we, 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 we kind of compartmentalize our lives. There's certain people in our lives that we, we only want them to see certain things, certain areas of our lives. We don't want to be vulnerable with everything, Right? Mostly because we're afraid what people are going to think if we get vulnerable and show them everything, right? I know the toughest part of, of marriage in that first two years is like your spouse sees everything. I remember Erica coming to me and saying like, I don't think a grown man should go to the bathroom as much as you do. We might need to go to the doctor. We, I, I remember having a discussion of like, how can you leave everything everywhere? Still in we're still having this conversation to this day. How can you, how, why are you the way that you are? Right? I remember the, the toughest part of those first two years was us being so vulnerable that we literally saw all the negativity, all the negative things, all the things that like during the dating time and engagement time, like we hoped they would never see, and now we see it all. It's, yeah, that's what it felt like. No. Being vulnerable is tough. That's why we only put the best ofs on our Instagram and our Facebooks and our social media. Because we want people to think and see the best of us. But somehow we've gotten to the point where when it comes to our relationship with God, we've taken the same idea of compartmentalization and we've applied that to our relationship with him, to our relationship with Jesus. Where we say, Jesus, when it comes to Sunday, when it comes to circle group, please come in. When it comes to the time where I need to pray for something, when I need something to open up in my life, God, please step in. But when it comes to, like, my dating life, ah, uh, Jesus, I might have this. I know there's a specific way that you think, and I just don't, culture's different now. I don't think that's how it should be. When it comes to, the, like, way we talk about our other friends when they're not around, God, I know I'm not supposed to gossip, but just, I, I'm, not, I'm just informing. I'm not gossip. This isn't gossip. This is information, just putting it out there, right? 
When it comes to the, the, the things that, that some of us search on the internet, can I be real honest for a second? We can't do this thing where we say we serve a God that's all-knowing and all-everything, and then at some point you think there's like this great veil that comes over you like when you don't want, don't want God to see the things that you're doing. He, see, he sees it all. Same thing happens when it comes to our finances. Because of the world that we live in, what culture says now, this is something that we've kind of gotten to the point where we're like, you know what, on all these things, like God, like I, I got this, I need to have control over this, you can help in these areas. But that's not what God wants to do. God wants to help you in, in all of the areas, in everything. There's a story in the Bible in the book of Matthew in which Jesus is stopped by uh, uh, one of the Pharisees and he's trying to test him and help him and make him trip up on the importance of the law and how it should be read. And so it says in Matthew 22, verse 35, it says, one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with a question, teacher, what is the most important commandment in all of the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with, what's that word? All. Now, in, in the Greek, you know what that word would have translated into? All. Everything. All of it. Every part of it, right? If it's a pizza, it's all eight, ten pizzas. I don't even I don't know, I don't know how many pieces are in a, in a pie. But it's all of it. The whole thing. With all of your heart. With all of your soul. And with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Love God with all of it. That means if, if you're going to love him, with all of your life, that means you cannot compartmentalize parts of your life. And it's not one of those things because God wants anything out of you. Like if you were to look at the Ten Commandments, if you were to look at the law of Moses, these laws were for the protection and the provision of God's people. God doesn't say, hey, I want you to, I want you to tell, I want you to, to, to trust me with your finances because he wants 10% of what you got. That's not what it, it's because he wants the best for you. And he wants to help you through what you're going through. I'm going to tell you from my own personal experience, especially when it comes to my finances, there's been many, many years where I've struggled. And those, I, I can look back and see on the years that I struggled, it's almost tit for tat because these are the areas in which I didn't say, Jesus, you tell me what I should do in this situation. The time in which I've closed this area of my life off to him, I've seen this area decline to the point of dying. But when I step in, I say, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to love you. I'm going to trust you with all. Somehow it works out beyond what I could imagine. I'm, gonna tell you, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm telling you, when it comes to, if you're struggling financially, first question I'm going to ask you, is this an area that you're trusting God in? Because if you're not letting God in it, how, if, if you, he's a gentleman. God's a gentleman. He's not going to bust in your house and say, this is what you got to do. You got to open the door and say, I got to be vulnerable with you. You already know what I'm doing anyways. Tell me what you want me to do. I think the first thing in experiencing financial freedom in our lives is to understand that we're supposed to love God, not with this, that, and the other, but with all. Look at your neighbor upside the head and say, all. 
The second thing, Matthew chapter 22, verse 39 says, the second one is this equally important, love your neighbor as you love yourself. The entire law and all the commands of the prophets are based off these, these two commandments. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so specifically, Jesus says, as important to loving God with all, we're supposed to also love those around us, be generous to those that do life with us. I think the idea of all not compartmentalizing is a big reason why we feel angst in this area of our life. So the first thing is, I think we gotta love God, we gotta let him have access to all of us. Don't compartmentalize anything, open yourself up to everything. The second thing I think we feel tension is when it comes to the, 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 the topic of our finances, specifically even when it comes to giving, is the amount. We have this idea that we're not really sure, like, Brian, when it comes to, if I'm supposed to trust God in this area, how, how much am I even supposed to trust him with? What am I supposed to be doing with it? And I would tell you this, I don't think the amount has as much to do as the heart and the sacrifice happening with it. Let me explain this a little bit. When it comes to uh, the idea of, of tithing, tithe is an Old Testament word. It talks about a tenth. A lot of times in the Bible in which you, you read the Bible, you'll actually see that the, the word ten, or the, that number 10 is, uh, is actually aligned itself with testing, right? You think of uh, Old Testament Moses uh, in, uh, in Egypt, right? Uh, Pharaoh was tested 10 times, right? He came out of, before the people were coming out of Egypt. This idea of 10th, of whatever we have, whatever comes in, we say, we turn around and we give a tenth of it to God. This is the area in which I felt the most tense. Because when I first hear about this, I'm like, I don't have a tenth. I don't even have a, a tooth or a second or whatever. I had nothing. I remember being so poor. I was, I was poor. I wasn't even poor. I couldn't even afford the R. I was just, just poor. My wife's going to talk to me after this. I'm in trouble. I feel attention with this. I don't, I don't think it has to do with amount as much as it has to do with a heart. And Jesus teaches this. We see Mark write this in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. He shows his disciples something very specific. He says that while they were in the temple, Jesus sat down near the collection box. He watches the crowds dropped in their money. Says many rich people put in large amounts. And what they would do to show off, and you know, money was like coins in those days. They would show off how much they were given. They would slam it down in the box so everyone around would hear, like, this is how much I'm given. But it says in verse 42, it says, and then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples together to him. And he says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. I think when it comes to what we give to God, it's, it's not about an amount as much as it is a heart of trust. I think ultimately in this area, 
we, we live in a world, God doesn't need our money. I don't, I don't know if you know this. I don't want to surprise you or anything, but like God's not sitting here. He's like, man, I'm not going to be able to do what, if I don't, what I don't want to do unless, you know, Jim Bob puts in $20 in the plate. That's not, that's not how he works. But what he does want to see is his children trust him enough with all the areas of his life, of their lives. So specifically when it comes to this, I don't think amount has as much to do with it as heart. I think when it comes to uh, finances, this is, I mean, obviously this is a big deal because this is something that we all value. I don't know if any of us could sit right here and think through our lives over the past couple weeks and think about a stress or worry or anxiety that we did had that did not have to do with finances. Anybody here just doesn't stress about finances at all? Like, I come teach me your ways. I don't have it. We're all in the same boat. And so if there's this one area in all of our lives that causes pain and frustration and tension, if this is an area in which we worry, why do we not think this is an area and God would want to step in and help us out in it? You're like, Brian, it doesn't make any sense because, like, I'm, I need money, but you're saying that, that I got to trust God and I got to send money out. I know it doesn't make sense. But I think, I think many times the things that make sense in the kingdom of God don't make sense in this world that we live in. And, and I think we got to be okay with that. I think I, I, I like the idea of living more kingdom-minded than world-minded. Kingdom-minded is a better way of living, amen? Last thing, I'm running over on time. I gotta apologize. So, we love God with all. Second one is I don't think amount matters. I think the heart and trust in God matters the most. And the third thing is attitude. Look at your neighbor say attitude. You don't gotta say it with attitude, but <laughs> attitude. Jesus uh, tells his disciples uh, this, this idea of, of attitude, of, of who does all belong to anyways, by telling them this story, this parable of the three servants. I love the stories in which Jesus uses to describe kingdom-minded ideas. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of men going, or of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he trusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in portions to their ability. He then left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. I'm going to stop right here. I, I'm going to tell you, right, if, if you're good at investing money, if you're good at, I, I think this is, I think God wants his people to be smart with it when it comes to money. I think God wants to see, I think that God wants to see his people do the most with what he gives them. I, I, I don't think being, having a business mindset, if you're frugal and you're, and, and you know, you got the understanding of how to invest, in, man, use that. I think it's a great tool. I think God wants to see people, his people use a tool that he's given them. So the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. So after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called 
Uh, he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward and five mo- with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Matthew 25, 22 to 23 says, The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I know you're a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest with it. Then he ordered, take the money away from the servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. For from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken be taken away. When it comes to the the life I live right now, I can clearly look back and see how the jobs I have, not just the pastor job, I got a property management job, I got a rental business, I got got two other things that are going. But in all these areas, I clearly see God has given them to me. God's preparing me for, for what's to come. And I know that if I don't trust him in these areas, if I don't see that these, these are his anyways, he's put me in this position, that I'm never preparing myself for what he's got coming ahead. You know, when, when Eric and I planted Coastline Church, I'm going to surprise you real quick. Um, I'd never planted a church before. Had no idea what I was doing at all. Not one clue. Big surprise, Right. I had no idea the steps I should take. The only thing I did is I showed up and said, God, you send me and I'll go do it. I'm going to be obedient. When it comes to the next step that we're taking of of trying to figure out a building to get into or whatever, guess what? When you go to seminary, they don't teach you how to take care of a building, how to do plumbing, what it takes to keep the building clean. They should, but they don't. But for the past three years, going on four years now, I've had a job managing a multi-million dollar building. And I remember in the beginning thinking, God, why in the world do I have this job? I look back and on now, I realize he's saying, son, I'm preparing you for what's next. If you trust me with what you have now, I'm gonna prepare you for what is next. And some of us, I feel it in this room today, some of us are frustrated for where you're at now. Financially, you're like, dude, I'm struggling. I don't know how to get to the next place. I don't know how to get to the next step. But what about God saying, hey, I got to teach you how to deal with what you have now before I can give you what you need next. If 
you trust me with what you have now, I'll help to get you to where you need to be next. The attitude that you've got to have is understanding it's all his anyways. If you look at it that way, if I look at my bank account, I was like, well, I mean, that's God's money anyways. He's giving it to me. He's just entrusting me with it now. I'm going to make sure I use it the right way. When I look at my kids, and I see in their little faces, these aren't just my kids. These are God's kids. He's entrusting me with them now. And I'm going to make sure I do what I can to get ready for what they've got next. I'm going to trust him to teach me along the way. Today, it's all about trust. Where will you put your trust? At the beginning of the early church, the Apostle Paul writes to the early church in Corinth. And as they prepare to send him along the way to continue to preach the word and help teach people about what Jesus did, they say, we're gonna, we're gonna send you with something. And he writes this to them when it comes to giving. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide you all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need, plenty left over to share with others. This morning, I hope that you do not feel any type of obligation or manipulation to give here at Coastline. Because that's not, that's not what this is about. That's not my heart. That's not Jesus' heart. If you wrote this question, it says, why does the church just want my money? I hope you've heard this morning that that is not the heart of Coastline Church. Because I promise you that's not, that's not what we want. It's not what Jesus wants. What Jesus wants is for you to put your trust in him and see if he won't help you to get to the next step. He wants you to not compartmentalize your life. He wants you to open yourself up and say in all of these areas. He doesn't want you to step in feeling hopelessness when you think about tithing or giving or generosity. He wants something to switch in your head, in your mind, in your heart that understands that when you do this, you step into hopefulness you step out of hopelessness you step out of tension and frustration you step into, into freedom and, and that's what he wants for you, that's what I want from you I said that wrong that's what he wants for you he don't want anything from you he wants something for you and so today with every head bowed or every eye closed I want us to come to God as one church family with one heart. Jesus, you know the struggles that we have. You know the frustrations we have. You know the tension that we feel in this area. You know 
the pain that we're enduring or that we're going through. You know how the areas where we're mismanaging or the areas where we've got worry. In this moment, Jesus, we put our trust in you. Give us the courage to open up and to surrender. Thank you so much for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Coastline, I want to invite you to stand up all across this room. The band's going to play out the, the end of one last song. I've went a little bit over this morning, and I want to apologize. I do respect your time. But as we sing this song or as you leave this morning, I hope that you leave in freedom, without frustration, without tension, stepping in to the future that he has for you. I love you guys so much. Hope you have a great rest of your week. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.